Hello. Uh, today we're going to dive into Psalm 15 and see what God has for us this morning or afternoon or evening, <laughs> whenever you're watching this. Um, so let's just get started. Psalm 15 is a Psalm of David. We start in verse one. Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Wow, um, just five verses, five verses, um, answering the question in verse one, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary and who can live on your holy hill? Um, just those two right there is, is basically asking God, okay, okay, God, so who gets to be with you? Who gets to live with you in your holiness? Because dwell with you in your sanctuary, that's in reference to the, the tabernacle, that tent, um, and who gets to go into the tabernacle, and then who can live on your holy hill is reverence to the temple. Who gets to abide and live with God? Well, we know that the only ones who were ever allowed into those places, into the holy of holies, were a priest once a year. And so this is asking, who gets to be in there, God? When can we abide and live and dwell with you? So verses two through five answer that question. And I'm just struck here with how many in these answers, how many of them have to do with our tongues and our mouth. Let me just show you again. Um, in verse two, who speaks the truth from his heart. Verse three, has no slander on his tongue and casts no slur on his fellow man. Verse four, who keeps his oath even when it hurts. And verse five, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Every single verse in answer to who gets to be with God in the holiest has to do with our tongue. Jesus in answering and talking to his disciples in Matthew 15, let me just flip to it. Um, we just got finished going through Matthew. And in Matthew 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, are you still so dull? Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart and these make a man unclean. Now we know that to be in the very presence of God means that we have to be holy. God is holy. He is as, as Andrew preached a few weeks ago, though so beautifully, the, that we cannot lose sight of the holiness of God. And that very holiness of God means if we're going to be with him, we can have no sin, no blemish, nothing, um, nothing wrong with us because of his holiness, his purity. In Isaiah 6, when Isaiah has this vision and he's in the throne room of God, the very holiest of God, and he is struck with how beautiful and how immensely holy God is. The thing that he is struck with, his response in Isaiah 6, and if you haven't looked at that, go look at it. It is so beautiful and overpowering of how holy God is. He is struck with, 
Woe to me. That is his very first response when he is so immersed in this holy presence of God. He says, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips. He understands the very first thing that is unclean and unholy about him is his mouth. And I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And the thing that fixes it for him, why he can be, why Isaiah can be in the presence of the Holy God. In verse six, it says, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth. And he said, see, this has touched your lips and your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. You see, when Jesus says that what comes out of our mouth is an overflow of what's going on in our hearts. That if we don't address our mouth, it means that it shows what's going on in our heart. And so when in Psalms it's saying, who can be in the presence of Almighty God and who can dwell in His holiest of holies? Who can do that? It's the person who has control of their mouth. Because when our mouth is under control and when our mouth is saying beautiful things, it shows what's going on in our hearts. Our mouth is just a temperature gauge of what our heart is doing. And you see, um, over and over throughout scripture, things are talked about with our mouths. It says our mouths are able to, to offer so much blessing and so much praise but our mouth is also capable of vile and spewing curses and such horrible, horrible things. James talks about this and says that our tongues can be vile if we're not in control of them. And how do we even get in control of our tongues? It's by controlling our hearts and working on our hearts and getting right with God in our heart. You know, I think... Um, well, I know that if I look back on my own life and I see where I personally have been hurt and wounded the most, in every single case, it has to do with words that were spoken. Either a betrayal of a friend or of someone that I shared something in confidence with, and they turned and they shared it with somebody else who in turn shared it with somebody else and it was used against me against my character or against my abilities. Oh, that hurts. It started with the tongue. And maybe it started with my own tongue that I felt like I needed to, to just vent and, and get all my frustrations out. Um, but in the course of doing that, maybe I shared things from a perspective that made me seem better because I was sharing something about my own wounds or my own feelings and I spoke badly about someone else. And then in turn, shared it with someone, who then in turn shared it with someone and someone and someone. You see, our tongues, when, when I would do that, when I would share my own hurts and my own wounds and my own frustrations and ventings, my tongue is speaking of what's going on in my heart. See, something wasn't right in my own heart. And I started the whole process. Often, 
in, in our culture and in, in our vernacular, we share things like, well, to be honest, and then we can say whatever we want because we're just being honest. We can say from our own perspective, whatever we think, because, well, we're just being honest. But if we took a look at our hearts, we would realize that just by saying that phrase, to be honest, we're actually saying, I, I can say whatever I want to say. That it doesn't have to necessarily be morally right. It doesn't have to necessarily be um, honoring of someone or something or some situation because I'm just being honest, right? How many times have you or you've heard someone say, you know, I shouldn't say this, but... And then from that comes gossip, comes slander comes um, a, a perspective that maybe doesn't build someone's character and instead tears them down. You see, if, if coming out of your mouth is, I shouldn't say this, but wow, that is your Holy Spirit going, stop talking. You shouldn't say it. My uncle, uh, who's an amazing man, uh, would often say when um, his own kids, and he called me out on it too on occasion as a kid. We were very close. He would often say and stop us and go, is what you're going to say, is it going to build somebody up or is it going to tear them down? You know, if we asked ourselves that question before we speak, are what is what you're going to say building somebody up or is it going to tear them down? I bet we wouldn't speak nearly as much as we do. Because often, and, and friends, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm here too. I, I do this as well. I speak to make myself feel better. I speak to, to build myself up. I don't often... I don't always think about the ramifications of what I'm going to say. Is it building somebody up or is it tearing them down? And often I go to a trusted friend and I just want to vent and I want to say things and I've been hurt. I've been wounded and and it's not right. And so I go to my friend and I talk because I want to feel better about myself. I want someone on my side. I want to feel justified. But really, is it helpful? Aren't those the types of things that instead I should take to God and say, God, it's not right. I feel this. It, it didn't, it didn't make me feel good. It wasn't, it wasn't true. It was unfair. That puts the right perspective. If I take that to God, if we take those emotions and those hurts and those angers, if we take them to God, He is our judge. He is the rock. He is the provider. He is the shield. He is the protector. And that's where we take those wounds to. Friends, it is so good to have trusted people in our life. It is so good and so important to have people that can carry us when we're weak. But I ask you, did you take that to God first? Or did you take it to the person that you knew would be on your side? That you would feel vindicated? You see, if we want to dwell 
with the Lord Almighty and be in the presence of holiness. We have got to get control of our tongues. I know that you have been in a place where you've been wounded before. And my guess is it had to do with someone saying something that hurt. How beautiful would it be if you took those wounds to the one who can hold it, the one who can heal your heart like no one else, the one who is in charge of bringing justice, the one who is in charge of forming your character and work on your heart with the almighty God of the universe. And that's when you can dwell with him. We just celebrated Resurrection Sunday just a couple weeks ago. And the saving work that Jesus did on the cross to save us from our tongues, to save us from the vile that we can spew out. Now, some of you, after hearing this message, you need to go to a brother or to a sister and you need to make right something that you said something that you shared, somehow that you misrepresented what happened. And you need to make that right. But before you do that, you need to sit at the foot of the cross and get right with God and work on your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can do that work in changing your heart so that what comes out is blessing Colossians, Colossians 4, verse 6 says, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Yes, this works for sharing the gospel, but it also works for when a brother or a sister comes and shares something with you. For when you have something going on and you think you need to go talk to somebody else, Let your conversation, let your tongue, let your mouth be always full of grace. Speak blessing, not curse, so that we can dwell in the sanctuary. Dwell with the Lord Almighty in his holiest of places. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that we would be a people who control our tongues. God, I know that we can only control our tongues when our hearts are right with you. So Lord, would you work on our hearts? Would you bring us to the foot of the cross? Would you cleanse our lips as you did Isaiah's? Cleanse us so that when we speak, our conversation is full of grace. So that what comes out of our mouth is a fullness of outpouring of our heart that is love, that is joy, that is peace, that is patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Holy Spirit, would you do that work within us? Amen.